0: Good morning. It's great to be here again. This is the third Sunday in Lent, so for those who are abstaining from things, you're halfway through. For those who have taken things on, you're also halfway through. And for those who haven't done anything yet, well, it's not too late to join in. So the prayer for the third Sunday in Lent. Jesus, our brother. You followed the necessary path and were broken on our behalf. May we neither neither cling to our pain where it is futile, nor refuse to embrace the cost when it is required of us. That in losing ourselves for your sake, we may be brought to new life.
1: Amen. First reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, page 4 of the Good News Bible. Then God said, and now we will make human beings. They will be like us and resemble us. They will have power over the fish, the birds, and all animals, domestic and wild, large and small. So God created human beings, making them to be like himself. He created them male and female, blessed them, and said, Have many children, so that your descendants will live all over the earth and bring it under their control. I am putting you in charge of the fish, the birds, and all the wild animals. I have provided all kinds of grain and all kinds of fruit for you to eat. But for all the wild animals and for all the birds, I have provided grass. And leafy plants for food. And it was done. God looked at everything he had made, and he was very pleased. Evening passed, and morning came. That was the sixth day. And the second reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 14 to 21, page 79. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. And the power of the Holy Spirit was with him. The news about him spread throughout all that territory. He taught in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. Then Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went, as usual, to the synagogue. He stood up to read the scriptures and was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save His people. Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the people in the synagogue had their eyes fixed on him, as he said to them, This passage of scripture has come true today, <coughs> as you heard it being read. Amen. I'm
0: going to read you a poem that came from the Fair Trade website. It starts with a change so outwardly insignificant, that no one would notice except the person behind you in the aisle. Just a moment, when instead of seeing rows of labels on a supermarket shelf, you imagine the people behind them tilling the earth, sowing the seed, gathering the crops. And you pause... Wondering what their names are, where they live, what difference it will make if your hand picks up this box instead of that. Wondering, how do I love these neighbours? Can I help change this child's long journey for water, her mother's lack of health care? The prospect her father faces of another year unable to feed his family well. Just a moment. And the person behind you, her impatient baby squirming in the trolley, may never realise that in that brief hesitation, a life hung in the balance. I wonder what it is you think about when you go into your favourite supermarket to buy your food. I can't say do your shopping around here, can I? Because people don't do shopping, they do messages around here, but there we go. What is it you're looking out for? Is it the best bargains? Are you looking for those signs that say, pardon the language, "Bog off, buy one, get one free, or the three for two, or the two for a fiver, Or the dine-in for £10, except when it's Valentine's Day or when it's dine-in for £20? Do you carefully cut out the vouchers from the magazines to save a few pennies on the top brand? Or are you one of these people that goes round half a dozen different stores to get the lowest price on each item? Do you check the labels to see what the country of origin is? Is the item organic, or free range, or farm assured, or dolphin friendly, or rainforest alliance certified, or any of a thousand and one other things? Do you need to check because of your allergies or intolerances? And do you ever wonder about the lives of those who grow, farm, harvest, or manufacture the items you buy? And how do you find your way through this whole morass of seemingly competing causes? Just how many badges do you look for on one item of food or clothing? Fair Trade Fortnight, which finishes today, gives us the opportunity to pause and to reflect, albeit very briefly, on our shopping habits. And specifically to think about the working and living conditions of those in other countries. Often very poor countries where growing cash crops is a necessity. Now trade justice is a very complicated issue and it goes a lot further than the fair trade movement itself. There are, if we're honest, real issues affecting the food manufacturers in our own country. I know, I used to be in a church where somebody worked in the local bacon factory, and we had some interesting conversations. It's too easy for us to blame the supermarkets for all the ills, when actually, do you know what? It's people like us who want cheap food and special offers and bargains, Or people like us who perhaps have a few shares, I don't know, maybe you do, and want the dividends. This is what drives the market. Whether it's that great deal that means you can dine in for two, for ten pounds, with all the extras. Or whether it's the dividend that gets paid on the shares if you have them. The law of our own desire to have more and more and better for ourselves is very strong. So let's not pretend otherwise. This year, the theme for Fair Trade Fortnight is called The Big Swap. And they've been encouraging us to swap our usual brand for one that's fairly traded. I don't find it that easy, actually, because I try to buy Fair Trade things where I can. But even so, it's it's a good idea. And yet, I was left with quite a few questions. What happens when Fairtrade fortnight is over? What happens when Sainsbury's and Starbucks and everybody else takes down their it's Fairtrade fortnight signs and everything goes back to normal? we all just think well that's it we've done our bit we'll go back to buying whatever it was we bought before or what about if we did all stay with the fair trade products what happens to the people who work for the manufacturers that are more exploitative are they actually going to be worse off are they going to lose even the jobs that they've got Because to swap is good but it seems likely to me that to work for change in all production would be even better if everybody could be paid a fair wage for the work they do a fair price for the products they produce. (coughs) However, it is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness so if you haven't Done a swap or looked at some fairly traded products, then can I encourage you to to have a look? Try them out. Taste the chocolate after the service. It's lovely. And I can't eat it till Easter, so you've got to eat it. We must never, ever underestimate the power that we have got to change things. I wonder if, like me, you can remember when fair trade coffee was really awful. But you drank it because you knew you should drink it, because it was a good thing. And now you can go into your supermarket, any supermarket, and there will be several different brands of fair trade coffee. And do you know what? It's quite nice. This has been caused, this change has been caused by people like us making choices to buy the products with a fair trade badge on them. And it doesn't matter which supermarket you go to, they they all do it now because they know it's big business. And if we were to think a bit more widely to other issues of animal welfare and planet care, then people like the celebrity chefs have also influenced us. We're much more keen on free-range eggs and happy hens than we were a few years ago. But let's not get complacent because we are beginning to get battery dairy cows in this country now. I saw something only last week about these new dairy sheds where the cows live in crates and just become milk machines. What does our faith have to say to any of this? We heard two well-known Bible readings this morning. And the first one is part of the Genesis story of creation that speaks about God entrusting creation to the care of human beings. Words like dominion and rule, which are in the traditional translations, have become associated with power and the freedom to do what we like. Words like subdue have real negativity attached to them nowadays. And there are some ecologists who rightly or wrongly accuse the church... And indeed, also the other Abrahamic faiths, Islam and Judaism, are exploiting creation as if by divine mandate, as if we are saying, well, God said it's okay, so we can do it. Now, how much that is really true and how much that's more about Western industrialization, I'm not sure. What is sure is that a lot of biblical scholars will say, no, 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 that's not what it means. It doesn't mean go and take what you want. Actually, there are more constructive ways of reading those words. And some of the newer translations and paraphrases try to take this into account. In the message paraphrase, that big part of Genesis is put like this. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings, He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He made them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Phrases like be responsible and take charge aren't any softer than the traditional translations. But it seems to me they express a very different attitude. One that's more considered and certainly a lot more cautious. Recognizing the implications of its actions. We have an interplay of privilege and responsibility in this passage. The privilege of being made in God's own likeness. Reflecting God's nature. That's an incredible privilege that God has made us that way. But with privilege comes responsibility, being entrusted with the whole of the earth's abundance, animals, birds, fish, plants, flowers, seas, mountains, resources, all entrusted to our care. We are responsible for it. It's a very idyllic image isn't it the dawn of time this kind of happy creation god makes things and god says wow that's amazing and then god makes something else and goes that's amazing too and I mean, okay made a flower that's nice it's really kind of god seems to be excited about creation it's wonderful it's beautiful and then time goes on and we come to the story we've heard of jesus in nazareth just after he'd come out from his time in the wilderness. We need to think a little bit what the Roman Empire was like and what first century Palestine was like under the Romans. It was a highly developed and complex culture. There was an incredible kind of government going on, and technologically, they were really very advanced I suspect the kind of questions we ask about trade justice and about exploitation of poor people and vulnerable people were as real then as they are now. So Luke tells us that Jesus has spent his time in the wilderness reflecting and praying and preparing for his ministry. And he comes home to Nazareth, the place he grew up, he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he's invited to read from the scriptures. And he chooses a passage from Isaiah, a passage that lays out for him the themes that will underlie his ministry, a short ministry, only about three years. by heck he packed a lot into that time. And the scholars sometimes call what Jesus read from Isaiah. His Nazareth manifesto. We're getting on towards election time, aren't we? And all the political parties are putting together their manifestos. This is what you will get if you vote for us. While Jesus laid out his manifesto, he said, this is what I'm about. And it seems to me there are things in there that relate to trade justice and animal welfare and care for the earth itself. And my pages have just gone out of order, which is rather embarrassing. Jesus says, He has come to bring good news for the poor. It's a familiar saying. But what is good news for the world's poorest people? What would be good news for the subsistence farmers or those whose survival depends on the cash crops? that we demand in the West? Our tea, our coffee, our bananas, our chocolate, our sugar, our T-shirts. What is good news for those people? The things that we take for granted, such as reasonable working conditions, European Working Hours Directive for people who aren't ministers, a fair price for what we do for our crops, our products, access to education for our children, access to medical care these are things we take for granted and these are the things that would be good news for the poorest people and these are the things that the Fair Trade Coalition and other organisations offer as an incarnate expression of the good news for these people one of the things we sometimes forget is that the Fair Trade Coalition was begun by people including Christian Aid and Caffod, and Tearfund. It was Christians, believers in Jesus, that got this show on the road. Jesus also talked about liberty for captives and freedom for those who are oppressed. And surely, fair trade looks at these issues. Products like chocolate and sugar can have a very dark side to them. Hundreds of children are kidnapped and trafficked from their homes to work on plantations to produce the sweet foods that we enjoy. High street fashion turns a blind eye to the sweatshop conditions in which children and adults work long hours in dangerous conditions to bring us garments that we might wear once or twice and then throw away. Fair trade means addressing these complicated issues Working with governments and support agencies to recognize the difficulties of just translating our expectations into other cultures. Some of you may be aware of fair trade footballs, which are made by children. And people discovered that children were making footballs in some of the Asian countries and thought, this is terrible, we must stop this. Children shouldn't be working in factories. And then they discovered that these children were actually the breadwinners for their families. Families where parents had either died or were unable to work. And so they changed the emphasis and worked towards providing good conditions and then education after work for these children. So that they have dignity. So that they have a fair price. So that they have hope. Jesus also talked about... Recovery of sight for those who are blind. And usually we interpret interpret that as literal blindness. But maybe in terms of fair trade, this is the one that relates most to us in the West. If we're honest, most of the time we're quite blind to where our food or clothes come from. We know that tea and bananas are imported because we don't grow them in this country. And we can read the label in our clothes that say made in India or made in wherever it is. But we can't see beyond that. And I wonder if part of what Jesus was about and part of what we are about as we think about fair trade is to open our own eyes and begin to open those of other people. For nearly 20 years, the Fair Trade Foundation has tried to do that. It's tried to help us to see where our food comes from, where our T-shirts come from, where our footballs come from, where our flowers come from, to help us to understand the realities. And it's really interesting that now this is a logo that people aspire to. You know, Kit Kats are now Fair Trade. How long has that taken to happen? But Nestle have recognised that this is something that is important to people. And they've got in on the act, at least to an extent. I know there are other issues with Nestle. We're not going to look at those today. But it's a step forward, a step in the right direction. Opening our eyes is fine. But if we don't act, then so what? Jesus set out what he was going to do and spent three years or thereabouts doing it. But what about us? Is fair trade something we do for a couple of weeks a year? Or something that is a lifelong commitment? Not just as individuals, but also as a church. I wonder if any of you know, or knew, that we could register as a fair trade church. We're not a registered fair trade church. I checked. I asked somebody here, would no. What does it mean to be a fair trade church? Well, it requires that we use fair trade tea and coffee in the events we do. Well, guess what, folks? We do that. It requires that we commit to working to increase our use of fair trade products like sugar, And biscuits, well, we're on the way with that one. We're not fully there, but we're on the way. And to promote trade, fair trade, throughout the year. I think we're doing that today. So we kind of are a fair trade church, but we don't have the badge. (coughs) Now, we might not think a badge matters, and that might be true. But we could just pass a resolution at a church meeting, fill in a form. doesn't even cost us a penny, post it off, and they get send us back a nice certificate that says we would be a fair trade church. And then we could put that fair trade certificate up, and everybody who came through our building would see there was something different about us, that this mattered to us. And they might just get their eyes opened a little bit and think about their own buying and their own choices. And maybe they might swap too. God said at the beginning of time, be responsible. Be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air. Be responsible for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Be responsible for the choices you make. Be responsible for the creation of which you are a part. So the question for us individually and corporately today is do we hear that and do we respond? And so we come to God in prayer again. I will lead us in a prayer and then we will join together in the Lord's Prayer. God of all creation, we marvel at the diversity and decadence of your handiwork. More stars than anyone can count, with new ones still being formed to replace those that are spent. Myriad life forms on land and in the oceans, with new ones still to be discovered and named. Vast savanna grasslands, humid tropical forests, scorching deserts, bleak tundra, and frozen ice caps. And human beings, black, brown, olive or white skinned, brunette, blonde, ebony or red headed, each one bearing your image, albeit distorted, and each one unique and precious in your sight. Such knowledge is too much for us to comprehend. We believe it's true, but it defies our understanding. And you've entrusted your beautiful, fragile creation to our safekeeping. Giving us dominion over this planet with all its amazing potential. And we have not always been responsible stewards of it. We pause to acknowledge our failings, corporate and personal. We have squandered the things you entrusted to us. We have ill-used or abused your good gifts to us. We've denied the worth of other people, exploiting their labours or demeaning their personhood. we selfishly acquired what we didn't need, and carelessly discarded what we didn't want. We've lost sight of our responsibilities as stewards of your kingdom and as disciples of your Son. Holy and powerful God, help us to recognise and repent of our sinfulness and greed. Wipe away our guilt and let us begin once again to walk more closely with you. May your justice and grace so fill us that it overflows to those amongst whom we live. We thank you for the the work of the Fair Trade Foundation over so many years, for its tenacity and faithfulness against derision and adversity. We thank and praise you for the increased commitment of major companies to fair trade sourcing. Asking that you would continue this work within them and it would never be marred by cynicism. We pray that you will keep our eyes open and help us, as disciples of Jesus, To do as he would do, bringing hope, justice and freedom to the poorest and most vulnerable, not just in our own society, but throughout the world. And we pray that our responsibility as stewards of your creation would be ever in our minds, shaping our decisions. And guiding our choices. We gather our prayers in the words which Jesus taught his disciples as we say together Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
1: on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.
0: And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And like this kingdom, power and the glory, forever.